Hey guys, we are back with another episode of Simply Sit and Bree. Of course, I am Bree. And I am Sid. And this week, uh, we are going to end Women's Empowerment Month talking about homeownership and mortgages. Yes. And we have none other than the Brianna White who does this on a daily to give us information about the home buying process and well yeah the loan process of purchasing a home so yeah I have some questions for her and she's gonna bless us with her expertise but before we get into that, we're going to jump back into our segments because it's been a while. And we're going to start with our I Simply Did segment. Bree, what did you do for yourself this week? Hmm. You know what I've actually been doing? I have actually been making a point to go to my bar classes. Um, so at the beginning of the year, I kind of made a decision on like, I'm not so much worried about like a number or anything I just want to be a healthier me and like feel better in my clothes and things like that and so I've actually been making a point even when I'm tired um to go to my five classes a week uh even if I have to get up and go to that 5 30 a.m one um so yeah I've been doing that and it's pretty cool nice can I just give you your props on sticking with your goal because <laughs> I had a similar goal at the beginning of the year and have not been not nowhere working on nothing so I'm just throw that out there <laughs> well um try, you should try a bar I think you'll like it we'll have to look and see if there's a bar studio by you I think you'll really like it yeah I um I was telling Brie before we started recording that I have not been <laughs> doing too much for myself this past couple of weeks. Um, I actually, yesterday, I did go to the beauty supply store and I actually did my hair. I don't know if you can see the headphones. Yeah, you got the Pocahontas going on. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a minute since I've like, <laughs> like I do my hair, but most of the time it's it's a bun going mm -hmm. on for work um but I was like you know what I'm going to do something different so I guess that's my self-care for the week <laughs> yeah we'll have to definitely like I said look up um I think you'll love bar it's really fun and it makes your butt big <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you told me if like if my butt gets <laughs> too big we can't be friends anymore <laughs> No, it's like, I mean, for me, I'm I'm new to this booty life. So I'm often like walking by the mirror, like, oh, <laughs> I got like a half an inch, but um, it's new to me. But it is, it's actually, it's fun. It's like 50 minutes um, and it's super like low impact. The music is really cool. Um and I just kind of like take that 50 minutes for myself. The movements are really hard, um, but effective. So like all you can really do is focus. So it really just kind of clears your mind. Okay. Um, and it's and a then, total body workout? Or? Mm -hmm. And just like pressing yourself. So like um, I started in January. So even like the other day I was like, oh, like I couldn't do this 
in January. Mm-hmm. And like the heaviest weight is like three pounds. Like it's your body. But um, just being like, oh, like my, like I couldn't lift my leg up this high. Or like I couldn't make my, you know, no such my knees in, in January. And now I'm a little closer. Mm-hmm. Right? I couldn't do the splits in January. Um, and I can't do them now, but I'm a little oh, closer. Well. <laughs> I'm <laughs> doing I am closer than I was in January. Like, I think probably by like summer. So just like, yeah, every week being like, oh, like I couldn't do this last Mm -hmm. month or last week. And now I can. It's kind of what feels me to keep going. Nice. Um, Uh Yeah, it's fun. We have flowers this week. We do. We do. So this week, um, which I feel like these flowers are kind of long overdue, but we have got to shout out um, Kiera Sky. She was our hairstylist for both of our shoots. Um, she does my daughter's hair. She does my hair. Um, and she's just, she was on with us when we did the Lipstick Den collab. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she has podcasts. She has a clothing line. She has an eyelash line. Uh, she just opened um, her new hair salon. I'm trying to think of all this girl's jobs, so I do not want to forget any of them. But like I said, she's absolutely just out here killing it. She's a mom. Um, she's a wife. And just to see her drive and her ambition, is it's inspiring. So definitely want to make sure we are giving her her flowers. If you are in the DFW area, you can look her up uh, with the Glam Villa Suites. Um, yes. And her new salon is in Richardson. So check her out. Yeah. She really is like goals when it comes to (laughs) like all the things that she does. I don't know where she finds time in the day because I'm often looking for it myself. And, you know, she manages to have like 10 different businesses and right rocks it so yeah and doesn't have like the sleepy look like the walk-in looking exhausted like she always looks refreshed and revitalized and i'm just like where you get it (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right well we are going to jump into our topic which like we said before is mortgages and I have a list of questions for Brie. So we're going to start with the basic of what is the difference between a real estate agent and a loan officer? <laughs> um, okay. So I think the easiest way or the simplest way, because they do, we work together, but we're not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the real estate agent is just that they handle the real estate. So when you're on Zillow and you see a property that you want to see, or uh, you're ready to put in an offer on that property or go under contract on that property or negotiate the price, uh, anything that typically has to do with the property or the house itself, that is going to be your real estate agent. Um, Your lender, well, your lender is the institution, your loan officer or your originator. There are so many names, but um, that person is going to help you with the loan itself um, for the property. So anything that has to do with like your interest rate, your down payment, um, 
your monthly payments, how much you can afford. All of those things will be done by your loan officer. Anything that has to do with the home itself is with your real estate agent. Right. So that's helpful to know that, <laughs> yes, they all work together, but there is a difference. And yes. <laughs> And Bree it is, is a very, officer. It is very beneficial to you to have a loan officer and a real estate agent that can work together, yes. Yes. And often when you start the process, right, um, and you find your real estate agent, they usually do have someone that they work with closely um, or prefer to work with. Right. So no matter some people, um, which I like to say, there's not like a right or wrong way to get started. Um, it's just kind of your path. Right. So some people will call their bank first to see, like, how much can I afford before I go mm -hmm. on Zillow and get my feelings hurt? Let me find out what my price range is and then search that. And then they'll um, the bank will say like, hey, you know, this real estate agent is really good in your area. Uh, some people work it backwards where they will see their dream house on uh, Zillow or whatever site they're using and they will contact the agent and then the agent will refer them to a bank or a loan officer. So but yes, typically uh, we are a partnered set or a pair. Gotcha. Another question we have is what are the different types of loans? Um, so I'll, I'll start with the basic four and then I will kind of bird's eye view the other ones because we really don't work with them. Um, so as far as loans... I'm going to assume that we're going to talk about residential properties only, which is a property that you intend to live in as a gotcha. primary residence investment property, a second home, vacation home. Um, so you have, of course, your VA loan. Your VA loan is just that it's for veterans. So if you did not serve in the U.S. military or your spouse did not serve in the U.S. military, this loan is not going to be for you. Uh, the second loan is what's called a USDA loan. Um, and that has so many different kind of like subcategories, but basically that's going to be your rural areas. So typically if you live in um, like on the outskirts, it does not necessarily have to be farmland. Cause I know a lot of people when they hear USDA, they think farms. It does not have to be necessarily a farm. It's a less developed area. Meaning that if you live, let's say um, in a city or an area where it's a newer city and it's just being developed, there's a possibility that you may be able to get a USDA loan out there because that area is not saturated yet. So it's still considered rural um, just because there's not a lot of people per mile out there yet. Gotcha. Um, so it might only be you know 10 minutes from downtown, but because there's not that many people in that area per mile, you can look at a USDA loan. Uh, and there's like links, we can put like some links and stuff um, on the Instagram page if people want to look into that and you can kind of search a map and see if where you're looking at uh, falls into the USDA loan. Uh, 
Uh, both of those loans that I just mentioned, the USDA loan and the VA loan, people like to look at those because they have zero down options. Um, but they come with some restrictions. VA, you have to be a veteran. Um, the USDA loan is area restricted and it's also income restricted. Uh, so you have to have, you have to make so much and you also can't make too much. Um, so you definitely kind of need to talk to your lender because a family of four that makes $60,000 is going to look different than a family of two that makes $60,000 a year as far as qualification. Um, and then you have your FHA loan. FHA <sighs> makes me cring. Um, it's your favorite, isn't it? <laughs> no, I don't mind. I I do not mind FHA. I, I write a lot of FHA loans. Um, people tend to refer to this as a first-time homebuyer loan. And it's really, it is, but it's not in the sense that a lot of people will use this type of loan because out of the four, it can be considered the easiest to get into because of the qualifications for it. Um, however, it is, you can use any of these loans. If you're a first time home buyer, you can use um, any of these loans if you're a fifth time home buyer. So I don't like saying like, oh, that's the first time home buyer loan because it's mm -hmm. not. Um, but the FHA loan, is going to be that loan that you hear about that's going to have that three and a half percent down. It is going to carry mortgage insurance. Um, and then lastly, you have your conventional. Um, again, I cringe because people tend to call a conventional a regular loan or a traditional loan. And it's mm -hmm. not. It's in the same bucket as all the rest of them. Uh, and people think to uh, think they need 20 percent down to get a conventional. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's not the case either. You can actually get into a conventional with 3% down. Um, so less than an FHA loan. So there's definitely some perks. Um, so I always just advise people to be open-minded and let your loan officer kind of talk to you about your specific situation. Um, don't ever get put in a loan have your loan officer explain to you why this is the best loan for you. Yes, I have almost personal experience with it. Good for me that I have a best friend that's a loan officer. <laughs> <laughs> and was like, nah, she's just trying to do what she wants. <laughs> like have her tell you why she wants to put you in this loan. And once I did, um, she she got her act together and turned some things around for us. But yes, I just fully agree with that statement. Don't let a loan officer put you in whatever loan they feel. Yeah. So you should always understand why. Why am I in this loan? Um, if you are end up in an FHA loan, you should know why. You should know I'm in an FHA loan because my debt to income ratio is higher and FHA will allow for a higher debt to income ratio. Or I'm in a conventional loan because um, I have a lot of student loan debt and conventional is a little bit more lenient than like with my student loan debt. You should always know why you are in the loan type that you're in. Yes. 
What is the difference between a prequal and a pre-approval? Um, the main thing or the main difference between the two is documentation and underwriting. Uh, so a prequal is pretty much think of it like a verbal conversation, right? So you give me a call and you say, hey, Brianna, I want to buy this house that I found. It's $200,000. And I start asking you just some basic information. Okay. Um, Are you a full-time employee? Yep. I make $85,000 a year. Okay, perfect. What do you think your credit score is? Okay, my credit score is around 660. Okay, great. Do you have any debts? Yeah, I have a car payment. It's $300 a month. And I have two Capital One credit cards and the minimum payment on those is $25 a month. Um, So based on that conversation, right, I can uh, use my little handy dandy calculator and say, okay, if you make this much per year, these are your only debts and this is your credit score, you should qualify. I can pre-qualify you based on that. And we'll probably pull like a credit report and you would send me like your paycheck stub and a W-2. And I say, all right, you know, you're pre-qualified basically. And I can give you a letter. You can shop with that pre-qualification letter. Pre-approval is kind of the next step or the next layer. Um, Not only have I ran or do I have your documents, I've also ran you through like the upfront underwriting system. And usually you've seen, you've been through underwriting. So we've done a few extra checks. We've checked a few systems to make sure um, that you don't have any bankruptcies, that you don't have uh, any liens against you or public record hits. Uh, all of those things. I, I've checked your bank account to make sure that you have the money for your down payment and it's not been borrowed funds and things like that. And we've went to underwriting and they said like, hey, as long as nothing changes in this um, picture, and we can verify everything else, this loan is pre-approved, which means that we don't in good faith see any reason why we won't be able to close your loan. So that's the difference between the two. Okay. And can you can you start looking with both? Like, I got a pre-qualification, I'm gonna go on Zillow and start looking for houses, or is it better to wait for your pre-approval? Yes, you can start looking with both. Um, And that's really going to be more lender specific and um, real estate agent specific. And this is why a lot of the things that I would need for a pre-approval, you can't get me unless you're under contract. Okay. Um, because I don't know exactly how much the house is or how much you um, need to pay towards your closing costs, how much the seller is going to pay until you've looked at a house. Mm-hmm. Um, so typically what a real estate agent will do is with a pre-qualification letter, they will show you the home. Um, now, some sellers, especially if you're in a very, very competitive market, 
they will take a letter from someone who's been pre-approved because it holds more weight. Because like I said, a pre-qualification can really be done over a five minute conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that being said, if you have a friend in the business, um, anyone can write you one, right? Like you could call me on, on Saturday and be like, Hey, I've seen this house. This is how much we make. Can you send me a prequel? And based on the conversation, I can send that um, because I haven't checked your contingencies is what they're called. Um, But yes, you can shop with both. Both are acceptable. And there are lenders that you, like I said, you just can't get a pre-approval until you've picked your house and went under contract. Gotcha. Very good to know. What determines your interest rate? (laughs) Okay, so I laugh because (laughs) Brie hates when people call her and say, (laughs) what's the interest rate right now? (laughs) That, okay. Um, If... I, I, like I said, this is definitely for women empowerment, for female empowerment, even if men are looking into this, if you're, do not call your lender, your loan officer and say, what is the rate of the day? <laughs> it is not um, a special at your local fancy restaurant. It is not like, we don't get up that morning and say, hey, you know what sounds really good? 2.875s, 2.875 Tuesday. <laughs> um, that's not how it works. <laughs> and so one thing I always want to let people know is that there is not a rate. There is a sheet of rates. There is a spread of rates. Uh, right now, just kind of where we're at on a traditional 30-year um well, markets kind of slid up. So let's say 2.875 with maybe like a half a point or so and up is where we're going. So it's a sheet of rates. So what we have to do is figure out where you fall at on the sheet. So a couple things go into that. Uh, your credit score. Someone with a 622 is going to have a different rate than someone with a 680 is going to have a different rate than someone with a 720. Um and loan to value. Loan to value is another one. So if you're putting um, maybe 50% down with a 620, your rate is going to look different than someone who's putting 3% down with a 740. Um, So those two things are the main components. Another one that people don't really think about is property type. Your primary residence is going to have uh, less points, less penalties than let's say this is your investment property Um, and your loan amount. Sometimes you can get um, credits or you can get hit with what's called points um, because of your loan amount, how big or how small it is. So all of those things factor in. So once I get all of those pieces of information, then we can have a realistic conversation about what your rate will look like. And then also if you want to pay points or not um, is another conversation we'll end up having. Yes. So it's not just one set number, people. No. There's a a lot of different factors that contribute to your interest rate. 
Yes. Um, and then also kind of in the back of your head before you even talk to your loan officer, knowing if you're wanting to pay points for your rate is, is a good um, factor. If you don't know, um, tell them to walk you through it. Tell them like, hey, I don't know. I'm not educated in this matter. I don't understand points. I don't understand if they're right for me. Um, and ask them to give you some options so that you're making the best decision. So I guess the flip side of interest rate or kind of what goes hand in hand with it um, is how big of a role does your credit score actually play in a home loan? Um, as far as the rate goes, as long as you have like a qualifying score, we should be fine. However, there are things on credit that can knock you out of being able to purchase your home, even if you have a qualifying score. And I don't think people realize that. Um, you can have a 750 credit score and have had a bankruptcy recently, and you will likely not be able to get approved. Um, also, we run an automated underwriting system. There are some credit profiles that the system just does not like. And if your bank does not offer what's called a manual underwrite, which means that they only will approve you if you get that upfront okay, even with a qualifying score Unfortunately, I've had to turn people away um, just because their credit profile didn't look good. Um, whether that's thin credit, recent late payments, um, those are the main two things. Uh, but yeah, your credit profile not looking good can also keep you from purchasing, even if you do have that score. Gotcha. What are the do's and don'ts when you are applying for a home loan? Um, all of my loan officer friends are going to hate me. You <laughs> shop. Mm -hmm. Um. A lot of people do not know this. So let's kind of back up and make this plain. When you go to a car dealership and you give them your information and they send you out to 15 different lenders and 15 different places, pull your credit, your credit gets lowered and lowered and lowered and lowered and lowered. Um, and so people, when they go to purchase a home, they kind of have that same mindset of like, I can't have my credit pulled a bunch of times because it's going to lower um, my credit score, which is not necessarily the case. One, um, yes, when we do do a initial inquiry, your score is going to be lowered. This is your house, sis. If you are willing to have your credit pulled for that Toyota Corolla, please do not insult us by not thinking that we are not going to pull credit for this quarter million dollar investment. We have to take a look at credit. With that being said, you get what's called a shopping window. 
meaning that after you have that initial inquiry, you have a window of time, typically it's around 45 days, to shop and make sure you are getting the best um, deal or the best quote for this big purchase, which is usually the biggest purchase you will make in a lifetime. Um, So do compare a couple, a couple of lenders. Um, I'd say three, maybe five. I literally have had a client who compared 119 lenders. Oh, wow. They had time on their hands. Um, and all 119 of us told him that he did not qualify. Oh, oh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's determined, but that's because so, he couldn't get approved. <laughs> well, the determination was there. Um, but a couple of reasons why I say one lenders are really not going to be that far apart. In real life, you're mm-hmm. you might have one that's like way over in left field, but for the most part, they're going to be very much in line. Two, a lot of lenders, people do not know this. Again, lenders are going to be so mad. Most companies have what's called a match or beat policy. The reason why I say get a couple is you might have a loan officer where you're like, I love her. She is amazing. She knows her stuff. But her rate is about a quarter of a point higher than I've been quoted. And of course, you know, it's where the money resides. You want to get the best deal. Um, Give that loan estimate to the lender that you absolutely love and ask them if they can match or beat it. Think of it as when you go to, you know, Best Buy with a Walmart ad. Uh, Give them the opportunity. So that's why I say three to five is is safe. Also, when you are... um, purchasing, you have to do a credit inquiry letter of explanation, which means for every person who's pulled your credit, you have to give an explanation of why they pulled your credit. Did you open up credit with them? And so if you start shopping 10, 15, 20 lenders, you're making a lot of paperwork for yourself. So that would be my first do is to um, smartly comparison shop, but don't get crazy. Um, Do Decide for yourself that you want to buy a home. I talk to people who are just like, I don't really want to buy a home, but I'm 32 and all my friends got one and I rent and it's embarrassing. Um, Mm. So just make sure that it's actually something you want to do, because when you purchase that home, everything in that home becomes your responsibility. Um, So it's not just the mortgage payment, it's the dishwasher, it's the pipe busting, it's the hot water heater, it's the air conditioner. Um, Don't um, have your credit pulled while you are in the process. Um, Whenever you go under contract and you start getting into the process, there is basically an alert system put on your social security number. And a lot of my clients have not believed me. They think it's a scare tactic. And I've literally had clients where I'm like, I'm sorry. 
I know that we were supposed to close on Thursday, but you went out on Saturday and bought furniture and had your credit pulled to get that 0% interest financing. And now your score is below the minimum score and we can't close. Yeah. And I've, I've heard of that happening quite often. Like, you're told when you go under contract um, not to do those things. But yes, I've heard many stories. I had had a client um, purchase a car. And let me preface it with this. It's not that you, it's a hard rule, right? Talk to your loan officer. Talked. I've had clients who was who were building a house who got into a car accident and they were like, I got to get a new car. Um, They can tell you they can tell you um, what you can afford as far as the payment, if it's going to impact your qualification. I can tell you based on your credit profile of like, yeah, you know, you got a, a 806. Do your thing. As long as your score doesn't drop below 740, nothing's changing for you. Um, However, if you have a 639, I'm likely not going to suggest that you do it. So have those conversations. Um, Don't try to hide anything from your loan officer. Um, The reason being is because your loan officer is your friend. They are probably one of the few people at the bank that is actually your friend and um if there is something that when you're purchasing a home for anyone who has purchased a home you are vulnerable you you are good as naked like it's it's real deal um (laughs) so it's gonna get found it's going to if you have a judgment if you have it it is like If you have an IRS lien, just because it's not on your credit report, which I think that's what a lot of people see is like when I pull the credit report, just because I don't see it, they don't feel the need to mention it. Um, Just tell us up front. It will, I promise you, as much as it will hurt me, as much as it will probably hurt you, that no up front is probably the best thing you can do for yourself. So do not lie to your own officer. Um, a lot of things can be cleared up with a letter of explanation. Mm-hmm. And if I know up front and um, I can get a letter of explanation from you and we can explain it, it looks better. As much as like we like to look at like underwriting as like these monsters, they, they are human. And for the most part, they have common sense and reasoning. So if something happened four years ago and you've been fine since then and you can write a letter like, hey, I got laid off four years ago. This happened. I'm working on it. Usually we can overcome that if you lie about it. Not only is your loan officer irritated because we are people. um, Now it's like you've given the underwriter a reason to dig more. Like what else can they uncover? Gotcha. It's like you've opened the box of lies. (laughs) Yes. Um, If a loan officer, do listen to your loan officer when they tell you we don't need a certain document. I've had people who are like, but I have more assets. I want to show you all my assets. I want to show you all this money that I've saved. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> You're proud of yourself. You have saved $40,000 um, and you want to show it to the world. However, 
it does not impact your interest rate. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, it does not impact um, your qualification. And so as a as a loan officer, my job is to get you through the process as easily as possible. So if you have $10,000 in an account and I only need 5,300 to get you closed, I only need this account. The more we're providing, the more we're opening up to get scrutinized, uh, the more conditions we can have, the longer the process. So we always want to make sure it's as simple as possible. It's not lying. We're not lying to anyone. I'm just only going to submit as many documents as we need. So do Mm -hmm. just be upfront and honest. Don't lie to your loan officer. Um, Do be quick. If I'm calling you, I always (laughs) tell my, my clients this. If you don't hear from me, everything's fine. Sleep well, get rest, drink your water, go to the gym, uh, design your house in your head. If you do not hear from me, everything is golden. If I am blowing up your phone, there is a problem. Gotcha. Um, So do answer those calls and then do get whatever we're requesting back to us as quickly as possible for a timely closing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. What else you got? <laughs> Don't give your loan officer no mess. Because it might be my best friend. And I don't want to see her upset. <laughs> yeah, we really are. Uh, we're your friends, guys. We, um, I mean, my bills don't get paid unless your house gets closed on. So I'm here for you. I want to see you win, sis. <laughs> All right. Um, last question I have for you is what is the best um, loan option for self-employed people or independent contractors? That question is so loaded, Sid. Um, <laughs> it is. So I want to <laughs> preface it with saying in these COVID times, it may look different than it has pre-COVID. And it will look different than it will uh, probably after we're out of COVID. A lot of lenders, unfortunately, right now, will not touch a self-employed borrower. For my um, for my company, you have to have a 780 for us to do anything with you if you are only self-employed. Mm-hmm. Um, and also keep in mind that you have to be self-employed. Uh, typically, the rule of thumb is two years. And please don't write off all your income, um, because if you show that you made negative $20,000 last year, you can't buy a house with that. Traditionally, you're going to end up likely in a conventional loan. With that being said, there are lenders, if you do your research, um, who offer what's called a portfolio product. So your portfolio product, and this actually answers more on the second question I think you asked about loan types. Your portfolio products get away from that traditional conventional USDA, VA, FHA, and more into the bank is going to assume this risk. And if you look good enough, they will pretty much 
I'll loan you the money and you pay them back and they don't necessarily use an investor. So your loan is not backed by FHA, Fannie, Freddie, the VA um, or USDA. Those are going to typically be what's called a bank statement loan. Uh, there are a lot of paperwork. Um, those are typically going to hold a, a higher interest rate. So don't think you're going to get that, you know, two and a half with a half a point on those. Those are riskier loans, but they can be done. Um, and basically what you would do is it would be however much your average account balance is for the past, let's say, 12 or 24 or even 36 months, depending on the lender. They will use that as your monthly income and build your qualification from there. Like I said, it is a lot of documents. It is a lot of paperwork. Be ready to provide a lot. Tax returns, profit and loss statements, bank statements, um, K-1s, 1099s, everything. You, you pretty much need to give everything but your firstborn on those. And they typically take longer. Um, than your traditional transaction. But again, if you have the credit score for them and your self-employed business has been around for a while and it's doing well, it is definitely an option for you. If not, like I said, um, you know, you can pretty much do any loan type with the self-employment income. Just know it's going to be harder because self-employment is just a little bit harder to prove than if you receive a, a paycheck sub and a W-2. So gotcha. you're a higher risk. Um, yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it. Definitely appreciate all your knowledge in this area. <laughs> Is there anything else that you feel maybe new home buyers should know about the process? Um, I think just kind of over, over the years, I've heard kind of like the, I don't want to call them like the old wives tales, but just those things that have been kind of passed down generation to generation, especially, um, in more of the ethnic communities, um, one of them being you don't disclose your full income to the bank because they will <laughs> raise your your monthly payment. I still talk to people, believe it or not, um, from time to time. That's like when I ask them how much they make, they say, well, if I tell you, are you going to raise my payment? Or I don't want to tell you how much I actually make because I don't want you to raise my payment. That is not the case. Um, and so I want to break that down because I feel like that's so important for people because you might be shorting yourself on what you really want. Mm -hmm. So we use your debt to income ratio and I'm going to assume that everyone listening knows what debt to income ratio is. Um, if you don't just Google it really quick, it'll tell you. So if you tell me that you make $4,000 a month and you really make $7,000 a month. Um, it's not that I'm like, oh, they make $7,000. I'm going to give them a 
$2,000 payment rather like if they only made $4,000, I'm going to give them an $800 payment. That's not how it works. Where that payment increase comes from is I can pre-qualify you for a higher loan amount which will naturally have a higher payment. If I pre-qualify you at $125,000, your house payment's going to be cheaper than if I can pre-qualify you at $230. Um, with that being said, just because I give you, and you can tell me, like, hey, I have clients tell me all the time, like, don't give me a $250,000 pre-qualification letter because I know I can't afford it. And if you give it to me, I'm going to go shop with it. Like cut me off with this. Or I want a house that's going to be less than $1,200 a month. Um, so it's not that you telling me you make more money is raising your payment. You saying you make more money in comparison to your debt load qualifies you for a higher mortgage payment, which makes for a higher payment. However, if you don't want to be pre-qualified that high, let your lender know. Yes. Again, your lender is your friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you have a hard cutoff, if you're like $1,200 is all that I can afford. I cannot have a higher payment than this because I know that I'm responsible for everything in this house. Let your lender know that as well. Um, and that's when that communication with your real estate agent and your lender becomes so important because um, certain cities or properties have higher taxes, have higher homeowners insurance, have higher HOA fees. So you might be able to get in this community, community A, um, at $1,200 a month, that might only be $120,000 for a pre-qualification once we add in your taxes, your insurance. However, if you're willing to move maybe 15 miles further out, you might be able to get a $175,000 house just because the taxes and the insurance are cheaper. So it gives you more money to use towards the actual mortgage. Um, so like I said, definitely just make sure uh, the communication is open with your loan officer, with your real estate agent, because at the end of the day, even though we don't like to say this, we work for you. Um, it's your home, it's your money, it's your decision, it's your finances. So we need to know what your goals are. And I can only help you as much as you let me help you. So if you start hiding things from me or not being totally transparent on what you're trying to accomplish, um, you're kind of hindering me from giving you all the tools that you would need. Gotcha. So that's kind of like the most... Um, Another one that I hear a lot, and I think it just really stems from our past in this country, um, people of color really just don't trust the bank. That's very true. They still keep their money under the mattress. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Um, your money, my people, I love you. <laughs> mm, I love you guys so much. Your money has to be what's called seasoned. Um, and what that means is exactly what Sid just said. It cannot be, it cannot be under the mattress. 
if it's gotta be in a bank, I have to be able to tell where your down payment came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you cannot just just bring me an envelope <laughs> on closing day with with forty three hundred dollars in it. We it, when I say seasoned, it has to be in your bank account and it has to be in your bank account for a certain amount of time. Typically, mm-hmm. that amount of time is sixty days. Um, but like I said, I've I've talked to so many. Uh, especially the older African-American population, they've been burned before. They've um, bought a property that they couldn't get out of because their rate was so high or, um, you know, their lender over-lended them or over-qualified them. There are so many laws, guys, so, so many, and they change weekly. Um, We have to be licensed. Like, I am a licensed loan officer. Um, I take literally hours on hours on hours of continuing education to continue to stay up to date with the laws. There are so many rules, regulations, federal guidelines for lending to stop those um, unfair practices that used to take place. Mm -hmm. So where you used to be able to close a house with a, with a handshake and a smile, that is not the case anymore. It is way more documentation. So, you know, if you bought a house in, in 2005, I'm going to be totally transparent with you. Your 2021 experience is going to be a headache Mm -hmm. because it's not that easy. But with that being said, us, um, as minorities are so much more protected from those things, those unfair housing practices happening. I'm not gonna say that from time to time, there's not a lender um, or an appraiser who doesn't get away with something. I mean, it's the way of the world, but please know that 99% of us have your best best interests at heart. And there are so many rules and regulations to protect you. Um, so don't be afraid of the um, lender or the bank. Right, right. Just as you were speaking, I thought about um, like the market crash in 2008, right? Mm-hmm. Where a lot of minority people were, like you said, burned. Um, and I, a lot of what I hear from that is about the the fixed um, 30 year loan payments, right? So like, that's really um, what people are seeking. Can you talk a little bit about like, why, I'm sorry, what's the other one? I, I always have- An adjustable rate? Adjustable, I was gonna mm-hmm. say. I was like, it's always been referred to as like the balloon payment or whatever. Yeah, um, and I know so- Back. So can you kind of just Yeah, so those are there's a couple different things on that. The market crash um happened because before like 2008, 2009 when all these regulations came into play, you could get like a stated income loan. Um and what I mean by stated income loan is you could say, "Hey Bree, I make 200,000 a year." Um and I could say, okay, and qualify you because you told me. Mm-hmm. I didn't really need any documents. Um, 
And it may be that you do make $200,000 a year, but you might have, you know, a half a million debt. So that, that was part of it. Um, just because the loan types were, there wasn't a lot of documentation needed. Um, some people, I've, I've wrote a few. I don't want people to think that an adjustable rate mortgage is bad. An adjustable rate mortgage makes sense for some people. Um, so basically an adjustable rate mortgage, when you think about those, you're going to think that basically... It's a payment where, let's say, so usually it's like a three-year, five-year, seven-year, or 10-year. Those are your average type of adjustable rates. So what it usually is, is let's say for the first five years, your interest rate is a two and a half. Um, And then after that, your rate can adjust every year up to 2%. Meaning um, at year six, it can go to a four and a half. At year seven, it could go to a six and a half. And it'll keep going, keep going, keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband and I were military. An adjustable rate mortgage makes sense for people who are like military. After my husband was military, he did contracting. Um, If you're planning to be in a house for three years and then you're going to live somewhere else and sell that house, an adjustable rate mortgage makes sense for you. Um, because you pay way lower while you're in it for the next five years. And then before that balloon payment, as you said, which a balloon payment is just that at the end of whatever the term is, you owe that full amount mm-hmm. at once. Um, a balloon payment can be made through a payoff, meaning if you're like, um, I talked to traveling nurses, adjustable rate mortgages makes sense for them. Uh, Like I said, contractors who, you know, might be in Washington for three years and then they're moving to Ohio, um, they will usually flock to an adjustable rate. In the market we're in right now, uh, fixed rates are a little bit lower. So they're usually fine with a fix. But before COVID, um, that makes more sense for them Mm -hmm. to pay, you know, two and a half percent or three percent as opposed to five percent and then in three years they're going to sell the house anyway they're going to sell it that takes care of their balloon payment and it's on to the next house so again like i said there's not a one-size-fits-all loan Um, what happened in 2008-2009 is people were getting in those low interest rate homes and that was not their plan was to pay them off their plan was this was their forever home so they're in their home for seven years they're making their payment of, you know, $700 a month. And then bam, year five comes. And now your payment is, you know, $1,300. And then year six comes. And now your payment's $1,800. Um, and they couldn't afford it anymore. Mm-hmm. Those payments were never supposed to be long-term. That's a a temporary. um, I've even seen people who are maybe like a residency, like a doctor or something like an apprentice where they're like, hey, my income is low right now. Um, But, you know, in five years, I'll be making $300,000 a year. But right now as a resident, I only make 60,000. Those loans make sense for them because the plan is always to get something more permanent or to get rid of the property. so right now, like I said, fixed rate is is in a 30 year fix is going to be, hmm, I would say, probably 
95% of the people I talk to on a 30 year, 30 year fixed. Uh, another thing that's kind of a thing of the past that people ask me a lot about is prepayment penalties. People have been burned with prepayment penalties um, mm. just because when they are ready to pay off those houses, the lender is like, oh, you said you were going to be here for 30 years. What do you mean you're paying off in 12? You know, we want however much money. Um, on your loan estimate, which I think we can probably post like a sample loan estimate in the stories, guys. Um, we'll probably post it like Friday or so, so you can see it. It'll say prepayment penalty, yes or no. Um, so you don't have to worry about like your lender trying to pull one over on you. It's in the documents. You just have to know where to look. It'll say yes or no. Uh, they're really like a thing of the past. It's typically going to say no. Uh, right under the prepayment penalty box is going to be that balloon question box. Mm -hmm. um, and it'll say yes or no. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, like I said, don't be, especially minorities. I know that holds us back from buying so, so much. Um, if you feel more comfortable with an African-American lender, we're here. We're, we're few and far between, but we're here. <laughs> um, and we know our stuff, too. <laughs> more, if you ask me. <laughs> um, yeah, just make sure whoever you're working with. Um, and like I said, we can post all these resources. There are... Um, there are sites like you can put in your loan officer's license number. You can see like what states there is my loan officer license in. Do they have any complaints? What do they read? I mean, you can literally Google me guys. Um, so you don't have to go blindly into it. Every good review I have is on there. If I had a bad review, I mean, I can't hide from them. Um, like they're it's public record. Um, you can literally with your loan officer's identification number, I think you can see like every job I've had since I was 16. Yeah, they, um, <laughs> they talk a lot. <laughs> like Bree says, she, she works hard to be licensed. Um, she has to keep up with that every year even when she has no time for it, like <laughs> yeah, she can't so, fake it. <laughs> um, like I said, just get someone that uh, you're, you're comfortable with is all I can say. Um, I've even told Sid this, like Sid and I are best friends and I just tell her the same thing. Like um, if you feel like ashamed or uncomfortable or like just trust your instinct, trust your, trust your vibes, um, you know, your discernment, um, because you're going to work with this person, you know, for the next 30 to 45 days. So work with someone you can stand. Another thing is, which people don't think about, if you're working with a bank that's going to service your loan and you're signing up for a 30 year loan, you're committing to spend the next 30 years with these people. If right. you don't like them on day five. <laughs> Find someone else. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also find out what's going to happen with your loan after you close. Yeah. Um, I don't think enough people do that. 
And I talk to so many people who literally will end up refinancing because they hate this, the company that's servicing their loan. Gotcha. Um, so just ask like, hey, after you close my loan, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to sell it to to Wells Fargo? Are you going to give it to Chase? Are you going to give it to Bank of America? Are you going to keep it? Um, am I going to get bounced around four or five different times a year? What's going to happen to me after I sign these documents? Right. Yeah, it is. It isn't something you think about. I think you're just so excited to <laughs> to be buying a home and to be getting a loan that you're not really thinking about after as far you know, other than like your monthly payments and stuff. Um, but yeah, it is important to know where it goes after you close. Yeah, I've talked to people who've been with like eight mortgage companies in the past two years. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that gets dangerous because your payments get lost. You start getting missed payments on your credit report because like, wait, I sent my payment to ABC lender. Like, what do you mean I'm with, you know, Monsters Inc. Credit Union? Like, (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't even sound real. (laughs) Right. And they're just like, I don't know who to pay. Um, And I will talk to people who have like five missed payments. Got you. And it's not because they didn't pay. It's just their loan was just being bounced around and they didn't know who to send it to. And by the time the payment was applied, it was late. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, find out what's going to happen to your mortgage payment, guys. Um, And then also last tip, if you are trying to save for a house, uh, look into down payment assistance programs. A lot of people don't know that those exist. Um, They have them for pretty much everything, educators, physicians, um, healthcare workers, um, safety workers, public service. There's so many down payment assistance programs out there. Um, So if your only thing holding you up is that you don't have the money saved up because the average person doesn't, uh, look into those programs, NACA. There's so many, there's so many different programs that you can take a look into um, and just kind of do like a Google search on down payment assistance programs. Your local lender can typically advise you on um, programs that are available. And I know so many people that those programs got them into a house. I mean, being honest, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) for some people, you know, saving up. $14,000 for a down payment is just not realistic. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you can use those programs, that's what they're there for. So reach out to them, utilize them if you qualify for them. Yes. Ain't no shame in free money. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All very helpful information. Um, I mean, you guys already know where to find Brie, but... (laughs) Is there any other information you want to put out there for the people? <laughs> um, no. I mean, you can always. Oh, I'm gonna shoot myself for saying this. <laughs> I you, asked. I didn't just. <laughs> you can always um, message me with your mortgage questions. Um. Or if you are in a state, I am licensed in a 
gang of states. Uh, with that being said, I typically will refer out so I can always help you with like a lender. I, I have friends. I have people I work with who are licensed in all 50 states. Um, so I can definitely point you in the right direction. I can definitely get you the information. I'll be more than happy to kind of answer um, some of the uh, vaguer questions, should I say. Um, legally, if I'm not licensed in your state, I can't give you any information unless it's just like very very basic but i can point you in the right direction with that being said um if you guys write me at 5 a.m on a sunday morning um please please give me until monday to respond no you have been <laughs> you have some act right come on now <laughs> Please, I have gotten, I mean, calls at like two in the morning, like, hey, I got a question about a mortgage. And I'm just like, I'm asleep. Okay, maybe just let the people, she's in Texas, y'all. So like, <laughs> if you're on the East Coast, <laughs> give it a couple extra hours. She's not awake. <laughs> But yeah, if you message me, like I said, I will always get back to your question. I will send you a link where you can find the information. I will get you paired up with someone who can help you out. I have no problem doing that. Um, with that being said, on a day-to-day, -day, I, I typically carry 100 of my own clients uh, and they get me paid. <laughs> so they will take priority. Um, so, so give me, you know, give me a few. Um, you know, if you, if you write me at 9 a.m., you're likely not going to get a response by 902. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I always say, please give me, give me 24 to 48 business, business hours. Yes. Um, but like I said, I will always um, point you in the right direction. I'll never just leave you hanging because I know, um, you know, those questions are important and sometimes you don't feel comfortable just asking anyone. Uh, I'll be more than happy to give scenarios through you, send you calculations on how to calculate your debt to income ratio. I can answer all of those questions for you, but just um, give me a few minutes when you send them to me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, I think that concludes this week's episode. Thank you again. I know you've been doing this all day <laughs> for you to, you know, continue to give the information and talk work <laughs> after hours is great my life right <laughs> and hopefully help some of our listeners yeah guys thank you so much for listening we are so excited this actually concludes our women empowerment um but yeah we just want you to be able to to get you a house sis or a condo or townhouse if that's what you want um, we are so excited. I think next month we are getting into um, like family and trauma and yeah. some doctors coming and uh, going to have some real just candid conversations. So I'm really excited. Um, but I think this month has been absolutely amazing for women empowerment. I feel like I've learned so much about wine, health, beauty. Yeah. It's really been amazing and just want to shout out all the guests that we've had on this month. Um, and I hope that you guys have learned something yourselves. That's that's what we do it for. And yeah. And can we just shout out our listeners? Like, 
those of y'all that listen in other countries, we see you on the dashboard. I was like, who's listening from Germany? I appreciate you. Um, And I know they're listening to this episode like, uh, our mortgages don't work like that over here. So... Um, but yeah, definitely. Thank you guys. Just um, I think this was like our first quarter of episodes, but thank you guys just for the support. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, just empowering women and connecting with people that we never would have reached otherwise is a very humbling moment, I think, for Sid and I to see that we have listeners in other countries. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Right, guys, we will see you next Thursday. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.